Acts chapter 14. We're pretty much at the halfway point. There are 28 chapters in this uh, great book, and doesn't mean we're going to be here for another year. We may be. Who knows? Hard to say. Acts chapter 14 today. Uh, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. And Lord, uh, even as that last song uh, was sung, Lord, it I know is working in my heart, in my life, and I'm thankful for that. But we know your spirit is here, is present, and I pray that you would help us as we study your word today to remember what you've done, to remember the blood that was applied in our account. And Lord, I'm thankful that as a Christian now, I am no longer who I was. I have been redeemed. I've been set free. I have a new identity, and I'm thankful for that. And God, I pray that you'd help us as we really continue on this overarching theme of identity to understand that our identity is shaped in the gospel. And I pray that you'd help us to live our identity. I pray that you'd be with the ones that are sick or out of town. I pray that you'd be with them, Lord. Uh, heal the ones that are sick and the ones that are out of town or traveling. I pray that you'd give them traveling mercies. And Lord, I, I do love you. And again, I thank you for, for who you are, for what you've done, and what you've called us to do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Acts chapter 14 today. Again, Acts 13 and 14 is really the first of Paul's three missionary journeys that we have record of in the scriptures. And today we're going to kind of close out his first missionary journey. Uh, we're going to cover most all of this chapter. We, we covered a lot of chapter 13 last week. I'm going to go back to some of the verses that we kind of skipped over at the end here in just a minute. Uh, but let me ask a question to start with. How many have ever felt like quitting? Anybody? Ever felt like quitting? Ever felt like giving up? I think many of us have. Uh, let's just start right here. We'll, we'll try to expound a little bit later in EQ on this. But, um, and I know these are questions that I've asked before, but they're, they're all very applicable for where we are today in our lesson. But why, why have you felt like quitting? It doesn't matter what it might be. Why have you felt like quitting at times in your life? Mike? Losing focus of the long term, kind of looking at the short term. All right, Violet, and then Mia. About the same thing? You just say that again, the fans on behind me. About the same thing, the same day, you just kind of want to give up because of what's going on. Mia? Stressful, okay. Marcus or Venetia, which one? Feel like it's too hard? Yeah, that's good. Marcus, do you have one? Yeah. Doesn't feel like it was meant for you? Okay. Susan? It's just not right. No matter what I do, it's not right. That's good. It's just not right. No matter what you do, it's just not right. Yes, Daniel? Just not worth the effort. Yeah. I mean, these are good. Anybody else have anything else to share? Yes. It's frustrating. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why we feel like quitting. How many have ever been on a trip, journey, whatever you want to call it, and you got there and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be? And you're like, I just want to go home. Anybody ever been there? Parasailing. Parasailing. What are you talking about? That was awesome. She didn't want to go home. She wanted to go home desperately. Um, you know, we, we've, we've all probably been there at times where we go somewhere and like, man, I just... I just want to go home. It's so much better at home than where it is now. And the reason I'm asking, or I'm asking these questions, because remember, last week we talked about on their start of their missionary journey, uh, where John Mark had left them. He really just kind of gave up. He, he quit on the ministry at this time. And, you know, it affected Paul later on. And we'll, we'll get there when we get to those chapters here in a couple chapters to come. But chapter 14, as we study this today here in a few minutes, it's really about perseverance. It's about enduring uh, it's very important to persevere in gospel ministry and doing what God wants us to do. And look, there are countless times in life where we feel like quitting. We feel like giving up because it's not worth it or whatever we're doing, it's not going the way that we intend it to go. And really this story is a great reminder that we should persevere despite all of the things that happen in our lives and in and through our lives. Um, you know, as I think about this story you know, it, it kind of reminds me of a boxing match. Anybody ever boxed? Like, not, not just for fun. We've got a couple of boxers. 
Uh, so you literally just like to take punches to the face and stuff like that. Is that what it was? Yeah, or punch other people. Um, you know, I, I brought something with me today. I brought my wife's boxing gloves. They're pink. You know, they kind of coordinate my outfit for sure. So what I thought about doing, taking my frustration out on someone, who's willing to... Amanda, you volunteer Michael as tribute? <laughs> Michael, come on up here then. I know, they, they do coordinate. I mean, the blue and the pink, the tan. How hard do you want me to hit you? Anywhere but the face. Anywhere but the face? Should we take off the glasses? Can we punch him in the uh, mustache and hopefully it falls off? Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I, I really want to hit him. I won't, but I, I just really do now. Now that he's up here, I mean, you know, I just really want to. Just do one? Maybe I should have Marcus come up and do it, right? No, I mean, have you hit Michael? You can't take that? Um, I know, I, I really want to. I really want to. It's like, you know, they're always like, you know, kind of like, I don't know. It's just the suspense. Am I? Am I not? How hard? That wasn't bad. Ah, my knuckle. Aha. No, stay up here. That was me. He told me to hit him. He told me to hit him. So, you know, I feel like chapter 14, and we'll get there in just a second, but I feel like it's kind of a boxing match where, you know, you kind of get knocked down. All right, fall down. I knocked you over. Man, that's, that was a hard knockdown. <laughs> Let me gingerly fall down. <laughs> you know, you have, you have certain types, you know, you have that one side. It's like, hey, get up, man. What are you doing? You ever watch those, you know, boxing shows and movies and stuff like that? You got... Hey, get up. What's going on? Then you got the other guy like, hey, stay down. It's not worth it. Which one do you want to do? Stay down or get up? Get up. Get up. All right, well, get up then. Why are you staying down? All right, you can go back to your seat. It was just for fun. Let me take these off because these are getting hot. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Definitely have to hide these from my kids because they like to, uh, to hit me. Um, on the back of your notes, and we're going to get to this as we go throughout the message, there's really three kind of truths that we're going to discover today. First of all, you're going to get hit. And what I mean by that is there's going to be things that happen in the Christian life that just hit you, that broadside you, right? You're going to get hit. It's, it's inevitable with life. And especially in the Christian life, you are going to get hit. Another thing is you're going to get knocked down. You know, I, I really knocked Michael down with my great punch, right? Uh, it's inevitable. You're going to get hit. You're going to get knocked down. But the third truth is very powerful, and that's what we'll see in the story today. You can get back up again. You know, there's a lot of things that happen in life, in my life, in your life, where we feel like we just keep getting punched to the face, punched to the gut, and it knocks us down. And a lot of times, we just want to stay down, right? You've been there? Kind of in the, in the situation, the question of, you ever feel like quitting? You ever feel like giving up? Like, it's just easier if I stay down, everything is just done with. But what we're going to learn is that even though we're going to get hit in the Christian life, even though we're going to get knocked down, God still wants us to get back up. He still has a purpose for our life. I like what Margaret Thatcher once said. She said, you may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. And that is so true. There are a lot of battles that we face and that we have to fight. I came across a statement this week that I love. And the statement was this, real faith is exposed when it's assaulted. Real faith is exposed when it's assaulted. Our faith will be assaulted. Our faith uh, will be pushed to the limits and pushed to the test time and time again. And that's what we're going to discover in this story. You know, it seemed like everywhere uh, Paul and Barnabas went on their journeys, and really, as Paul continued on the journeys, they, they went to new places, they met new friends, but then they had enemies, <laughs> Everywhere they went, there were new friends, there were enemies, there was opposition, there was distractions, there was things that knocked them down, literally and figuratively, so to speak. And as we got to in chapter 13, as they started this journey, they made many stops along the way. Remember, they were sent out from Antioch. 
And then they went to that place called uh, Pisidian Antioch. And that's kind of where we uh, left off last week. I want to pick up back in verse number 43. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city. Now, this is an amazing part of this story that he had been preaching, Paul had been preaching in the synagogue. That's most of the time where he started on his missionary endeavors. He started in the synagogue with Jews because they had an understanding of scripture. They knew a little bit of the truth of God's word and had a hunger for it. So he started there. And as he was there preaching to the Jews, there were Gentiles there as well. The Jews, just most of them didn't want to receive it. They didn't like what he was saying because it was really in some ways contrary to what they believed that the law was the thing that sustained them. But he was saying, it's not that. The law doesn't save you. It only points out your human condition and your need for the Savior. But then as the, as the Gentiles are hearing this message, they loved what they heard, that they could be justified. Not kind of like we talked about last week, just as if I had ever sinned. Really, and also it's just as if I had always obeyed. And when they heard this, they wanted to hear more. And they got all of their friends together and imagine this scene. 44. The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Imagine if the whole city just came to hear the word of God preached here at Eagle Drive. That would be an awesome thing. It'd be overwhelming at the same time with all the people. We wouldn't be able to fit them in, but that's okay. Everyone is coming out because they want to hear the message that Paul is preaching, this message of truth. It continues on, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And they spake against these things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. So again, they have people that are accepting the message and then people that are completely opposed to and rejecting the message. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. And I love this. Their, their boldness grew and said, it was necessary that the words of God should first be spoken to you, to the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Well, we turn to the Gentiles. So since you're not listening, we started with you. It's what God wants us to do. Now we're going to the Gentiles. And I'm thankful they did this because as a Gentile, I'm thankful that the gospel has reached me as well. Verse 47, for so hath the Lord commanded us saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest uh, uh, be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad And they glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Now, verse 50, this is one small portion of where, again, they they feel like they're getting beat up. They get knocked down, and really we're going to see more in chapter 14. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. Get out of our city, get out of our town. They were raising up persecutions against them. And I love verse 51, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them. And they came into Iconium. So they said, you know what? We have done what we're supposed to do. We're shaking off the dust because it was a very dusty area, uh, so to speak. And that's the reference that Luke is giving us here. They kind of shook it off, went on and kept doing what God called them to do. Even though they were getting beaten, even though they were getting knocked down, they said, God has still given us a mission to do. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now, just let's just stop right there. What just took place is, yeah, many Gentiles received the word. They got saved. But there were many of the Jews who didn't like the message that they were preaching. So they wanted to persecute Paul and Barnabas. And for many of us, If we face any persecutions or hardships, the easy thing to do is like, you know what? I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm knocked down, you know? I'm just going to stay on the ground. But Paul and Barnabas, did they stay on the ground? No. They kept going. And they kept going with boldness. And that's, that's very important for us as well. They continued doing what God wanted them to do with boldness. And it baffles me sometimes to think about that. My lack of boldness. Anyone else struggle with the lack of boldness sometimes? You know, some of the things that I've gone through, really they pale in comparison to what Paul would go through in his life. Remember back in chapter 9 when he was converted, when God spoke to Ananias and said that, hey, he's a chosen vessel. He's going to suffer greatly for my sake. 
No one wants to just willingly suffer greatly. But Paul is going to suffer. And even through his suffering, he realized, you know what? He still has a job to do. He has been sent. He has been commissioned to share the gospel with God's people, with all of the world to the ends of the earth. And the mission is not complete. Even today, several thousand years later, the mission is not complete. There are still people that need to hear the truth of the gospel, aren't there? There are still people that need to receive the word, and it's up to us to share it with them. And as they continue their journey, what we're going to discover in chapter 14, this is where we kind of get, get to today. One thing I've seen in, in studying this passage and really studying multiple passages about Paul and Barnabas and other disciples, there is a long way between where I am and where God wants to take me. I want you to write that down if it's in your notes. There is a long way between where I am and where God wants to take me. There's a long way between where I am and where God wants to take me. You see, where I am now is not where God wants me to be. All of us have growth to be had in the Christian life. Again, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've lived, no matter how long you've been a Christian, there are still things that you need to learn, right? There are still things that you need to overcome and be better at. And that's, that's an overriding truth here in this passage and in many passages in Acts, that where I am today is not where God wants me. It's not where God wants to take me. There's still so much more that he wants from me. And sometimes he uses the opposition, he uses the persecution to get us to where we need to be spiritually. Acts 14 is really, it's jam-packed with principles on endurance and perseverance. And in this chapter, we're going to see Paul and Barnabas ministering in three different cities. We have Iconium, we have Lystra, and we have Derbe. The conditions were different within each city to which they came. Two of them, they were met with vicious and violent opposition. It's instructive to see how they handled this, because it's very likely that in the days to come, we're going to, say, we're going to face similar types of conditions violence and opposition, which will threaten us physically because of our faith. And I can see a day coming in America in the next 10, 20 years where we're already on that path. You know, I'm thankful again that it's Independence Day, we can celebrate our freedoms, but there's going to come a day when we have no freedoms, where we are violently attacked and assaulted for our faith. Like many of our other brothers and sisters in Christ in regions across this great continent, that suffer every day and suffer persecution because they're Christians, because they stand up for Christ, because they have faith in God. And the first lesson that we see in the first seven verses of this chapter is this. We see perseverance despite opposition. Look at verse number one, chapter 14. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake a great multitude, both of Jews and also of Greeks. So again, when, whenever they went to a city, if they had an established synagogue there, a Jewish community, they always started there. And the reason for this is because the Jews would at least have an understanding of Scripture. They would have an understanding of who God is. So it's very easy to start with people that know a little bit about God. And that's a great principle for us. And as they are starting here, and as they are preaching here, a great multitude of both of Jews and also of Greeks believe they got saved. Again, amazing things are happening as they are boldly going forth with the gospel. Now, let, again, let's, let's, let's pull it back a little bit. We're going we're gonna to do that a lot today. Back in chapter 13 at the end, they preached, they, they saw amazing things happen, but then there were persecution. People were trying to persecute them. They wanted to stone them. They wanted them out of this city. The easy thing would have been to quit, wouldn't it? The easy thing for Paul and Barnabas would have been like, you know what? It's not worth it. We're going back to Antioch. I'm going back to Tarsus. I'm done with this. But they didn't. They continued on. And what happened because they continued on in Iconium? Many more believed. So imagine that in your own life. The times that we feel like quitting, the times that we feel like giving up, the times that we feel like, you know what? I just, I don't want to share the gospel with these individuals because they're not worth my time. Maybe they're the individuals that need to receive it, that need to hear the truth, that need to be saved. And if we're not doing it, who's going to do it? I'm thankful that Paul and Barnabas said, you know what? We're going to keep going on. God is going to give us boldness and we're going to keep doing what he called us to do. And because of that, more believed. But verse number two, 
Here's where we see it. And again, I, I just picture this in my mind that this, like, I, I want to go home. At least this might be me. I, I just want to go home. I don't want to put up with this anymore. Verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. So again, here's the opposition. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. So they, you know, planted seeds in, in their minds. Verse 3, long time therefore abode they speaking boldly. So they, they spent probably many weeks, maybe even many months here. And they continued to speak and preach boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. They granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And whenever God allowed the apostles to do miracles, it was always to point back to the gospel. It was always to point back to Jesus. And a lot of times, the reason these miracles were done because they were in very pagan nations that believed in other gods. And God wanted to show who the true and living God was and that he could do anything that their God supposedly could do, but couldn't. Verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided. And here's a great truth. The gospel divides. The gospel of Jesus Christ divides, but it also unites. They had great success in verse number one, but there's still opposition. And I read this, and it's so true. If the gospel message shared is not both uniting and dividing, then you can be sure that the gospel message is not being preached. Let me say that again. If the gospel message shared is not both uniting and dividing, then you can be sure that the true gospel is not being preached. You see, the gospel divides because it breaks apart humanity and culture, everything that we think we know, and gives us the truth. And it's in opposition a lot of times, in direct opposition of what the world teaches, of what Christ came to teach and to show us. And I've seen that many times in and through the ministry here at Eagle Drive, where as we've preached the gospel, as we've shared the gospel, as we've tried to teach the gospel, it has both united the church, brethren and sisters within it, but it's also divided. And I've had people go off on me that we're, we're spreading a, a heresy and false doctrine. All it's proven to me is that we're doing something right. Because it's going to divide. It's going to divide people because it's showing them that, one, they need Christ. It's showing them that they're not as good as they think they are, that there are a lot of things in their life that need to be fixed and corrected. Look, effectiveness and opposition seem to go together in the missionary enterprise. I like what Tim Keller says. He says, the greater the effectiveness of a ministry, the greater the resistance and opposition. So you think about ministries that are truly effective for God and reaching out in their communities and reaching out across the world. There's also going to be a lot of resistance and a lot of opposition. And I've said it before, but if we don't face opposition in our church, if we don't face resistance, then we're not doing anything. And that's a, that's a scary day in the life of a church, when a church isn't facing opposition, when a church isn't facing persecution, when a church isn't facing resistance. And again, it's not something I just willingly want to, to go head in and, and let's have opposition today. That's not what I pray for. All right, I hope tomorrow I have a lot of opposition that's coming my way. But if we don't face those things, then we're probably not doing what God has called us to do. And Paul and Barnabas, they, they stayed several months here in Iconium. They probably many weeks, if not many months, and they preached a message of grace. This is a message that Paul would continue to boldly preach and proclaim throughout many of his epistles. And the message of grace is a message that caused strife with the religious Jews. You see, grace tends to either give people an unspeakable sense of relief or produce hostility and anger. People either embrace it or oppose it. And the reason they oppose it oftentimes is because it goes against a works-based righteousness. Because in, in understanding the message of grace, there is nothing you can do. It's already been done. God has freely offered us salvation, and all we have to do is accept it. We don't have to work our way towards it. If we accept it, we are saved. If we believe, we are saved. And that goes against what the Jewish culture was trained to believe, that I have to work to achieve this goodness, to achieve this righteousness. Paul says, you don't have to do anything because it's already been done. 
Jesus Christ has already paid for the sins. And God had equipped his servants to boldly preach and proclaim the message of grace. But again, the multitude, verse 4, was divided in part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So there were some that were on the apostles' side. Hey, we're with you. You're doing what's right. You're, you're showing us the truth. Man, praise God for that. Disciples were made here at Iconium. But then there were still others that were against them. Verse 5, And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. So again, they left Pisidian Antioch and there was persecution that was facing them. And now here in Iconium, they want to stone them. Verse 6, they, they became aware of it. And they fled unto Lystra and to Derby. Now there are times when God wants us to stay. There are also times when God wants us to relocate. And this is the time when God wanted them to re- relocate. So they, they continue on their journey. They move to the cities of Lystra and Derby, Cities of uh, uh, I can't even say the word right now, uh, but unto the region that lieth round about. In verse 7, and they, there they preached the gospel. So they moved towards nearby towns and they continued preaching the gospel with boldness. Lystra was about 20 miles south of where they were. Now that was quite a journey in Paul's day. Derby was about 60 miles southeast of Lystra. So remember that as we continue on. So here we are in the first part of chapter 14 that they are persevering despite opposition. The easy thing would have been to say, you know what, I'm done, I quit, I've had it, let's go home. But they didn't. They continued on. And there they preached the gospel. Let's move on to verse number 8. What we see next is this, perseverance despite delusion. Remember, in many of the areas in which Paul and Barnabas would go, and Paul and, Sinus, Pilus, Paul and Silas and others of the apostles that they would go, very much pagan cultures believed in other deities, believed in other gods to save them. And they worshipped other gods besides the true and living God. And this was a culture very similar. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, as they get to Lystra, impotent in his feet, so he couldn't walk being a cripple from his mother's womb. So as soon as he was born, as soon as he came out, he could not walk. He was crippled, never walked in his life. And the same heard Paul speak. So I'm sure every day in those times, in Bible times, a lot of times when someone was crippled, they couldn't walk. They, really, they literally just sat at the gates all day and begged for money, begged for food, begged for things. And this man, I'm sure he's known in the town because he's been there every day of his life. He hears the message that Paul is preaching. He hears what Paul is speaking, who's steadfastly beholding him so that they, they, they connect. Their eyes lock with one another. He is intently listening and dialed in to the gospel message. Verse number nine. It says, in perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So Paul just perceived that this guy was getting it. He could see that he was locked in. Verse number 10, he said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. So we be- Paul, Paul realized that this guy was wanting to believe in the truth of the gospel. And now he's going to perform a miracle to help prove everyone that there is a living God that is above your gods. And he tells him to stand upright, to get up on your feet. And it says, and he leaped and he walked. Now again, imagine this picture. This guy has been crippled since birth. We don't know how old he is, but he's been around for quite some time. Been crippled since his birth, and he's hearing the message. He believes the message of the gospel. And then Paul adds to that a sign, a miracle that points back to Christ, points back to the power of the gospel. And this man, not only does he get saved, but he is healed. He leaps up and he starts walking. And what a sight that must have been. But let's continue on because we see the crowd's response to this. It's not necessarily what we think would have happened. Verse number 11. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying, the speech of, like, like uh, whatever the word is. I cannot talk today. Uh, Lyconia, thank you. Could not think of it. The, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, just 
note that phrase, if you would, the gods are come down to us. They believed Paul and Barnabas because of the miracle that just was performed, that they were gods, little g gods. The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, this was a very, very superstitious crowd. And they interpreted the events based on their own mythology. And when you study out this passage in deeper detail, and when you study out this area, you understand. The Latin poet Ovid describes how, in their story, the gods descended into this region many, many years and centuries prior, seeking hospitality. But everyone rejected the gods except for one poor couple. This couple took them in, treated them fairly, treated them with kindness. And the gods then rewarded this couple by transforming their poor cottage into a magnificent temple and making them guardians of this temple. The gods then punished all the other residents with a severe flood. So that is the story that has been going through this area, that the gods had come down and all of the community didn't accept them as gods, but only one couple did, and they were elevated and given, given this uh, magnificent temple to stand watch over. So having this understanding in their minds and probably not wanting the same thing to happen to them, the destruction, they saw this miracle and they said, hey, you're gods. We're going to worship you. Let's continue on. Verse number uh, 12. And they called Bar- Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Now, those are the Roman names, but the Greek names are names that we would know. Zeus and Hermes. Because Barnabas had a long beard and very dignified, they called him Jupiter or Zeus. Because Paul was small and talked a lot, he was called Mercury or Hermes, the spokesman for the gods. Now, this sounds flattering, but really it was nothing more than a subtle attack on our adversary. You see, it was an appeal to the ego of the apostles. And imagine, imagine going to a strange city and being welcomed as a god. Just imagine that. It's hard to imagine, it really is. Imagine going to a strange city, a strange place, and being welcomed there as a god. Now, I quickly reference back to Acts chapter 12, where Herod was elevated as a god, and he accepted it. He accepted the praise and the adoration of the people, but what did God do? God struck him down. He was dead within five days. Whenever we see this with the apostles, especially in the, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, they immediately deflected the praise. They said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not about me. Don't worship me. I am nothing. Let's continue on. Verse 13. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. So they, they wanted to offer sacrifices with Paul and Barnabas. Verse 14. When the apostles Barnabas and, or Barnabas and Paul heard of what was happening, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. hey, why are you doing these things? We, we're, we're men just like you, men of like passions. And, and we preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. So immediately Paul and Barnabas heard and, and saw what was going on. Whoa, whoa, whoa stop. Don't worship us. They, they, ripped, they ripped off their clothes. Hey, we are men. Look. We're men just like you. We're, we're nothing special here. Again, the easy thing to do would have been to accept this. Wow, okay, all right. I'm a God. Go ahead and grant unto me whatever you would like to give unto me. You know, this, this story, really it's a, it's, it's a good reference to another story that I came across. I read a story of Captain James Cook. He was in the British Navy he landed on the shores of Hawaii at Kealakekua Bay. And he was welcomed there as a god, the god Lono. He and his men were given anything and everything. And believe me, that means everything that they wanted. They were attended to day and night. But strangely though, Captain Cook thought this was a wonderful thing and he accepted their worship. One day, as they were about to launch their boats and return to their ship, 
a native who was angry with him for some reason grabbed hold of the captain. Without thinking, Captain Cook swung at him. He knocked him down. The native retaliated. They got into a fight, hitting him on the head with a club. And the captain groaned. And when the natives heard this, one of them cried out, He groans! He is not a god! And they fell on him and killed him. And today there's a memorial at that site. Captain Cook accepted the praise, the adoration. Hey, yeah, treat me as a god. But he wasn't. He was just a man. And here, Paul and Barnabas are treated as gods, and they said, no, don't. We are nothing more than men like you. And then what Paul goes on to do in the next couple of verses is he preaches the gospel. And remember, whenever he goes into a city, typically what he did was he started in a synagogue because they had an understanding of the scriptures. But this people did not have an understanding of the scriptures. So he couldn't start with the scriptures. What he did was he started with creation. And creation still points back to God. Verse 15 again, and saying, sirs, why do you do these things? We're men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities, turn from these worthless statues to follow the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Everything that you see was made not by your gods, but by our God, the true and living God, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and with gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So he is trying to preach, hey, it's all about God. He is the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything. He is pointing to God's goodness, to his providence over all of creation. But let's continue on. Verse 18, they wanted to still make a sacrifice unto them. But verse number 19, here's where the story really picks up. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. Remember that when they left those cities, there were people that were against them, that wanted to persecute them, that wanted them dead. So this crowd that had come from 30, 40, 50 plus miles comes to Iconium, comes to Lystra, I mean, and they persuaded the people there to stone Paul. They didn't drug him. They stoned him with stones. They persuaded the people to stone Paul, and they drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. So just imagine this. Paul is there. He's preaching the gospel. Uh, The the crowd, they they see this miracle done. Wow, you're a god. They're going to try to treat him as a god. Oh, we're we're not gods. We're just men. So he preaches the gospel. He preaches the goodness of God, that he's the creator and sustainer of everything. All creation points back to him. Uh, this crowd, this, you know, this group of bandits, this group of opposition comes from other cities and persuades the others in the city, hey, they're, they're lying to you. They're deceiving you. Let's persecute this guy. Let's stone this guy. Let's, let's pick up stones and rocks and, and beat him. Imagine that. You know, I, I've had snowballs thrown at me with like, you know, chunks of rock in it, and it hurt. It did not feel good, but imagine big stones being thrown at you. You know, there's several instances in the scripture where we see someone getting stoned. And I can't help but think, if while this was happening, maybe Paul was in his mind remembering Acts chapter 7 and the story of Stephen, because he was there. The Bible says that he, Saul, had held the coats of the men as they stoned Stephen. And what, a, what a horrible way to die. Nothing you can do. You are completely defenseless. The rocks just keep coming and pummeling and pummeling and pummeling until you're done. He is being hit. (laughs) He is being knocked down. And then they drag him out of the city, believing that he's dead, which there's not much life in him. And again, I can't help but think of Stephen, but I can't help also to think of Acts chapter 9, which I've already referred to, when God told Ananias that, hey, this guy... He's a chosen vessel, and he is going to suffer greatly for my sake. Verse number 20, 
Howbeit, as the disciples stood up round about him, this is, stay with me here. The disciples gathered round about him. And, and this is important because the disciples are followers of Christ. These are men and women that had received the truth of Jesus in these cities. And they are gathered around Paul. And I'm sure that they are praying for God to do a miracle, for, for God to do something. Now, Lystra, the very important side note, Lystra is where Timothy grew up. Lystra is where Lois and Eunice heard the gospel. Timothy later would grow up to be the pastor at the church of Ephesus. And maybe they are here on this day, gathered around Paul. You know, in verse 20, it's, it's sad, but it's, it's awesome at the same time. Howbeit, as the disciples stood around about him. What are the next three words? He rose up. Now, it's not biblical, but in my mind, all I can think of is like the, somewhere in the distance, the eye of the tiger starts playing, right? <laughs> Someone's Bluetooth starts playing, dun, 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 dun. But anyway, um, definitely not biblical, but you know, I can just imagine this scene. You know, he's on the ground, he's supposedly dead, and all of a sudden, he gets up. <laughs> what a sight that must have been, right? <sighs> Blows your mind. You know, and again, like my my mind just goes in crazy things. You know, a couple days ago, we were having a little Nerf war in our house with uh, Nate and Noah, and I was trying to pummel them and like shoot them down with these little Nerf bullets and stuff like that. And Noah was hiding behind the couch, and I think I shot over at him, and then he popped up, and he's like, nah, 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 boo boo, you missed me, loser, or whatever, whatever he said. So I don't think that's probably what Paul did. He probably didn't pop up like, hey, a bunch of losers, you missed me. Like, they got him, but anyway, my mind just goes crazy places. Or like the troll song, you know, again, having kids, you know, when you knock, knock me over, I will get back up again. Anyway, sorry, we're getting way off track here. But look at this again. Howbeit as the disciples stood around him, he rose up and he came into the city. So he goes back into the very city that stoned him. <laughs> and again, I, I can't even imagine this sight. As he's going back to where they stoned him, the people were like, I thought this guy was dead. <laughs> I thought we killed this guy. And, and here's the principle that really this message is about. You see, Paul was struck down, but he didn't stay down. <laughs> and this is good, church. Paul was struck down, but he did not stay down. Now, it was with the help of God that he did not stay down. And that's what we need to understand. That is not in and of ourselves. We need God, we need the Holy Spirit to help us rise back up when adversity comes, when opposition faces us, and realize that, okay, the opposition has pummeled us, but we need to learn to leverage this pummeling and realize that even though he was bruised, didn't mean he was beaten in the sense that he was done for. And that's what we learn in the gospel. Even though the opposition beats you down, it doesn't mean you are beaten because with Christ, you're not beaten. And I can't help but think of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where other passages where, where Paul addresses some of these things. In 2 uh, Corinthians 4, 7 through 11, he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. But I love that verse in verse number nine. Even though we're persecuted, we are not forsaken. We have a God that loves us. Even though we are cast down and left for dead, we are not destroyed. Are you getting that, church? Cast down, but not destroyed. Struck down, but you don't have to stay down. I mean, that's where it is today. Even though the world is beating you down and beating you down and the opposition is against you, you don't have to stay down if God is on your side. Right. Man, this is good. It continues on. All you see is the perseverance from Paul. Again, if this was me, I dare say I would have been like, you know what? I'm going home. I'm done with this. I quit. Opposition was there in Pisidian Antioch. And what did he do? I went to the next place. He went to Iconium. 
People believed, yes, that's great, but there's more opposition. I'm going home. But he didn't go home. He kept going to Lystra. And he's at Lystra. And then the crowds from Iconium and Pisidian Antioch are coming to attack him. They stone him. Maybe he was dead, maybe he wasn't. But he was supposedly dead, dragged out into the city. Then he gets up and he goes back into the city. He's still not going home. And then verse 21, what we see is perseverance in returning. Look, what tremendous evidence of courage. (laughs) Expelled from Antioch, threatened in Iconium, stoned in Lystra. And when God raised him up, he went right back to the same cities to strengthen the disciples. Wow. Look at verse 21. And when they, or into verse number 20. And they departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they then returned back to Lystra. They returned back to Iconium. They returned back to Antioch. They went all the way back to the places that they had just visited, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And again, what a message that must have been. I'm sure Paul was scraped up and bruised, and the, the, the disciples there are probably wondering what was happening. I'm sure he, he shared what happened, and what an amazing testimony that, hey, if Paul can continue on, then we can continue on too. And he's encouraging them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders, so they went there, and they established churches for these individuals in these cities. They ordained elders and pastors in every church, and they had prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Remember when they very first started in Perga? And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and thence sailed to Antioch, Syrian Antioch, where they started. From whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So this is ending the first missionary journey. And when they were come, now this is an amazing sight to think of too. They gathered together with the church there and they rehearsed all that God had done. So they then told them everything that God had accomplished. And I, I could just imagine being a church member and sitting there like, You still kept going? Yeah. But why? Wouldn't it have been easy to quit? Yeah. But quitting isn't an option for a Christian, or it shouldn't be an option for a Christian. And yet, how many Christians have decided to just go home? And I'm not talking about going to heaven. Have decided to just, you know what? It's not worth it. It's too much opposition, too much turmoil too much persecution. I don't like the divisiveness within churches, so I'm just going to go home and do nothing. How many Christians have done that over the years? And they continued on, though. And they rehearsed. They they shared with the church all that God did and how that he had opened the door of faith into the Gentiles. And that blows me away. I can, again, just imagine Paul and Barnabas as they are sharing this, just the excitement Hey, yeah, we were threatened. We were expelled. Uh, people tried to persecute us. They, they actually stoned Paul. But God opened the door so that Gentiles could be saved. And there are countless individuals that have been saved. And now there are churches in these cities. Verse 28, and there they abode a long time with the disciples. So they spent much time there in Antioch, kind of probably refreshing themselves, getting back to where they needed to be. Look, the mission wasn't finished, but this trip was complete. And they get to celebrate the work that God did. I want to share a couple closing thoughts. It's not in your notes today, but I want to share a couple closing thoughts that we see here. And I got this from another pastor. Some things that what we see in this passage that, you know, it's very easy to think, you know, I just want to go home. I want to quit. But if they went home they would have never experienced some of these blessings. Do we have them in individual slides? First one is this. If you go home after Pamphylia, then you never see the fruit of Pisidian Antioch. 
If you go home when you get to Antioch, you'll never see the Gentile fruit in Iconium. Just leave it up for just a second. So if you go home after Pamphylia, it was already tough there. And then the journey that they had to make across the mountains when they got to Pisidian Antioch, you'll never see the fruit. If you go home after Antioch, you'll never see Gentiles getting saved in Iconium. But it doesn't end there. You see, if you go home from Iconium, then you'll never meet the blind man from Lystra. You never meet Lois or Eunice and eventually Timothy, who were from this city. So imagine if Paul had left and went home and said, you know what? Enough is enough. Those people wouldn't have been saved. Others wouldn't have been saved. Maybe you and I wouldn't be saved today. Because he said, I'm not going home. I'm going on. Let's continue on. If you go home from Lystra, you never see Derby. And you never meet disciples that are there in Derby. If you go home from Derby, then you never get to circle back to see the harvest on your return trip. <laughs> and maybe that doesn't excite you, but it excites me in the sense that all of these places they went to, there was opposition and success. They saw the success of the gospel, but they saw opposition. They returned, and as they returned, wow, there's fruit. People are being saved. Churches have been established. The gospel is going forward. And yet so many today in our churches, not just this church, but all across the country, and have decided, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. The opposition is too great. Culture is too great. So you know what? I'm, I'm going to decide to just sit back and do nothing. Look, doing nothing is easy. But here's the truth that we're trying to unpack and discover. That there is a long way from where we are to where Jesus wants us to be. And what we need to do is get this down. We need to trust that Jesus can give us a sticking and staying power. Trust that Jesus will give you a sticking and staying power because there is a long way between where I am and where Jesus wants to take me.